Welcome to Around the Table. The Apostolic Christian Church approach to pulpit ministry is different from most other churches. What are the pros and cons of our minister model? And what expectations should we have of our ministers and should they have for themselves in this important volunteer role? Moreover, what is the congregation's role in bringing forth the word? We'll discuss that in part one of this two-part series. For those of us that have been raised in apostolic Christian church settings, when we think about the leadership model, and in particular, the pulpit ministry model, it doesn't seem so unique to us until you start visiting with other Christians from other churches or maybe other uh, Christian leaders or pastors, and we start to see that it is quite unique. And it's going to be an enjoyable conversation between three of us kind of unpacking our ministry model and uh, thinking about some of the the joys and benefits of that and also some unique challenges that can exist. So my name is Lynn Fichter from the Bluffton Congregation and I'm here with two other brothers and I'm going to encourage them to introduce themselves, what church they're from. I'm Steve Boehner and I'm a retired minister from the Gridley Congregation. And I'm Fred Witzig, and I'm a minister from the Washington Congregation in Illinois. So, Steve, I think you were a little reluctant to jump into this conversation because you were retired. And from our perspective, it seemed to be um, a benefit. Our thought was, you've been a minister for many years, and now you've been in the pews listening to ministers. So you've had kind of a unique experience that neither Fred or I have had yet. So thank you again for joining us. But has that been an interesting experience for you? And how would you describe that? Yeah, it has been. Thank you, Lynn. The opportunity to change sides of the pulpit. And interestingly enough, what I find is that I do listen with different ears, getting to hear the framework of worship and not thinking about how would I finish up at the end of that uh, sermon? What what about a definition here or a definition there? It's just a matter of being in worship, in corporate worship with my brotherhood. And that change you know, was a surprise to me. But it does reinforce um, the value of our ministry model. I hadn't heard it referred to that uh, specifically, and Fred's going to, I think, expand on that. But I do appreciate more and more that model and um, realize the responsibility I have as a listener and not as a minister mm-hmm. of the gospel. Uh, it's a real it's a real joy, actually. Well, thanks for sharing that, Steve. I, I think it would be helpful to unpack the opportunity of ministry in the pews that we hope is occurring, you know, every time we get together to worship. And Fred, before we, I ask you to kind of explain, put some words around our ministry model, just, I want to just share a a perspective I have, um, having uh, probably quite a few I would consider to be friends that are in the ministry, pastoring churches outside of our denomination, and uh, understanding a little bit the pressure and uh, the expectation of a paid position, maybe um, church leadership 
transitions that happen and and something really unique is if a senior pastor uh, retires, he seldom remains at that church, from my understanding, because it's so hard for the uh, next leader to be able to lead well. And so, again, just a very unique situation that we find ourselves in as apostolic Christians. Fred, would you please uh, just help kind of explain a little bit our ministry model? Sure. So this comes out of the work of the Elders Teaching Resource, which does a lot of work with ministers. And in setting about that work, we thought it would be useful to just, we want to support apostolic Christian ministers. We don't want to change them. We want to support them. And in order to do that well, we thought quite a bit and got a lot of input on what is an apostolic Christian minister. And so there's a lot of thought, a lot of work went into that. I'll kind of truncate that conversation here um, for this podcast. But essentially, we came up with, we, we, we thought about several other models. I'll share with you a couple of those, and then I'll compare it to ours, what, what we think is kind of ours. Um, and by going over these other ones, we by no means are, are, are trying to be critical of them or saying that they're invalid. Or I mean, I think each one has strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but just by comparison, so we can kind of see how how ours compares. So the first one we, we call the anointed sacramentalist. Uh, and these are just made up titles here, but the anointed sacramentalist. And this is kind of the maybe the Catholic priest or Lutheran priest who who believes, and again, there's no judgment on this, but just who believes that they are there before the congregation to administer the graces of God through their words, through their hands, um, uh, via the sacraments. So they go into church and they're distributing the graces of God through the sacraments. You have another one we call the sage on the stage model. This term comes out of out of the college university background. Um, it's not a it's not necessarily a pejorative term. It's just a way of explaining how a sage on the stage is a wise person that stands up in front of everybody. Everybody gathers around and listens, and and that person tells you know speaks wisdom. And so in this model, the pastor sort of is the center of the church. And people get he and his and his staff are the professionals who do a lot of the work of the church, and the people gather around and are and are ministered to from them. Our model, we think, at its best, and this is, you know, we're not saying that this is we, we do this perfectly, but it's a it, it's a model to shoot for, right? Is is that uh, our church is built around the idea that we're a body of believers. And all of us do the work of the church. It's not the job of the professional staff or the pastor. It's everybody working together. And so we're all responsible for reading the word, studying it, knowing it, living it out in all its different facets and different functions. We as ministers have a particular role of teaching and preaching. And we're not particularly special. We don't see ourselves as some super Christian or special person. We're just raised up from the congregation. And we, with the responsibility to teach and preach. So that's just kind of a basic outline of it. Probably many things that we could discuss about it, but I'll just stop right there just for comment. I think that's really helpful. And uh, just to try to put it in words, something that we've, many of us have just experienced and, and just would kind of consider to be a time-honored approach to church leadership and preaching. And unless our, um, our experiences get beyond our denomination, we don't recognize how unique it is. Another personal example would be a, uh, a classmate of mine, um, highly educated, 
good godly man. And at our last class reunion, he shared how, for a variety of reasons, they were without a lead pastor. And so a smaller congregation in Michigan, and they decided that the messages needed to come from the congregation. So four or five of the men took it upon themselves to do so. And he realized that that's the model we've always used as apostolic Christians and was just kind of excited to explain the, uh, the experience with me. And he had um, a lot of good things to say about it. And, you know, I think you touched on some of those. And so before I ask Steve to jump in here, I, I don't think we consider this to be the, mo- the most biblical model over other models. I think, Fred, you, you described that well. It, it, it is our approach to it, but there's biblical reasons to pay pre- preachers and, and, to, uh, and to have a, a clearly defined role. But um, it just seems like God has been so good to us along the way. But it might be really helpful to uh, talk about, at some point, even uh, some of the, the challenges that, that come about in a almost a 100% volunteer-ran <laughs> church. We, we do things counting on the church to step in and do so. So, Steve, like how old were your children or what age were you when you entered the ministry and how did you navigate some of those things? I was 33 when I was put into the ministry um, and I served for 26 years. And while I retired, what is considered to be, and here's another thing that has evolved over time, that what's the retirement age in this servant leader sort of role And, you know, everybody has their definition of what is that retirement age. Uh, I retired when I was 60, uh, which by many standards is considered to be young, but uh, I didn't feel young at the time. And 26 years seemed to be enough. And it also, we understand when you've been in the role, how valuable it is for others to have that experience. And you are changed by it. Uh, yeah, if, if nothing else, you're changed by the experience. And as uh, Edwin used to, Edwin Ringer used to always say, and so I use some of, I'll use some Edwin, what we call Edwinisms locally. <laughs> but Edwin always said that responsibility breeds commitment. And I believe that to be the case. And we see that within the ministry. Um, I was changed by that. Uh, already already felt responsibility as a member of the body, but the level changes uh, with the responsibility. And we see opportunity, I think, within the congregation, within the body, to assign responsibility and raise level of commitment among the membership. And if the ministry carries that entire burden, that responsibility isn't felt and the level of commitment isn't raised to the level that it could be. So there's real value in sharing those responsibilities of ministry, whether they're pulpit ministry or other types of ministry. That's huge. And so I think there's just super value there. Uh, I just wanted to say something in regard to that. I've talked to a lot of our ministers, probably had good conversations with a third or a half of our ministers. And something that struck me is 
the level of commitment on the part of ministers is really high. They really sense this responsibility to preach the word well and to do all the work of the ministry really well. The question isn't commitment as it is, how do, how do I do this? <laughs> and I think that's really getting away at what you're saying. Our ministers are really committed. Um, they just, it's just the practical issues of, of how you, how you balance it all and, and get it all done. So I appreciate your words there that this is not just foisted on them and the congregation is, is in a sense off the hook, but we all need to share in the work of the ministry. Yeah. There's a, there's an interesting dynamic that happens every Sunday morning and, and even before that, but so the church is hoping and, and expecting that the minister comes with a prepared heart and sometimes a prepared thought or two, or even scripture in mind, or, you know, not to really get into that topic, but then the minister is also really expecting the church to be prayerful. Like, yeah. Holy Spirit, please show up. And it, as many years as you brothers have preached, it's, it seems like, um, at least I have never felt like overconfident <laughs> right before I, yeah. I stand to speak. Like, what in the world am I going to say? And so there's something beautiful that happens there. But, but maybe uh, your, your example, Fred, about... Um, the level of commitment is high, and that is so encouraging. If we didn't have that, uh, we would be in big trouble. Yeah. yeah. Similar to our level of commitment in marriage as apostolic Christians is high, but that doesn't guarantee we have great marriages. It's a start. Yeah. We need to be equipped, and, and we invest a lot in that relationship in as um, how to, to better communicate and better understand and be, become a better husband or wife. But now I think we're seeing value in investing more in how to communicate effectively, how to think through scripture so that we're not seeing difficult passages and putting out very um, a wide range of interpretation and make it confusing for our churches. So what a unique experience you've had, Fred, in having conversations with a th over a third of our ministers nationwide, uh, internationally even, you know, worldwide. Praise God for that. Speak a little bit more, um, maybe Fred, about what Steve was saying about the, the experience changed him. <laughs> and also, each generation should feel the weight of responsibility to um, rise up and be a part, whether that's preaching from the pulpit, teaching in Sunday school, or a variety of other positions that would not even be voted on. Any thoughts there about the value of an invested church? Yeah, yeah. Just a, a quick story from my brother-in-law, actually. He was raised in the church, repented in the church, married my sister uh, in the church, and they left for quite a, quite a few years and uh, became a pastor outside of our church. And then just recently came back in and I connected with him just to ask him as a, you know, he's very familiar with the AC church, but he spent a lot of time outside of it. Could you give me some insight into the strengths and weaknesses of an AC ministry? Since he's kind of seen a lot, um, uh, a lot of us and others. And, and I said, so let's just start with strengths. What is the strength of an AC ministry? And hit the first thing out of his mouth really quick. The first thing out of his mouth was totally unexpected to me. He said, 
the congregation prays. Everybody prays right before the minister speaks. He said, that is absolutely crucial and beautiful. And I've always, you know, I've always thought that was nice, <laughs> but I, I never really thought of it in those stronger terms as one of the greatest strengths of an AC is the praying congregation. And certainly new ministers appreciate it. There's a few, one of the questions we ask new ministers is, is what is something that surprised you when you were put in the ministry? And one, a, a common answer is humility, just this sense of, oh my, this is, you know, who am I to do this and, and how am I going to do this? Just a, a deep sense of humility, in some cases inadequacy and that sort of thing. But also just love for the church, just, just, just appreciating the expressions of love from the church that you're, you're going into the ministry, and, but we support you, we love you. And that just means the world to these new ministers, to, to feel the love and support of the church. And it's reciprocated. They will say, and then I just feel so much overwhelming love for my church. Uh, it's just a beautiful relationship there when there's communication of love, expressions of support um, going both ways. That's really helpful. And something that every church could do is to be committed to prayer, but it would be less, it would feel less urgent if our pastor came with these, I mean, he was just an excellent speaker and he came very well prepared and, and we just knew he was going to have a good message. All we had to figure out is how we can listen and apply. Yeah. It is a two-way street in our situation. Steve. I grew up outside of our church. So my experience growing up and in the church that I attended, and this is in no way a judgment against that church, so I don't want it to come across as that. But as just as you said, Lynn, when the preacher stood to, to have the message, that message was rehearsed. That was evident because it was a polished, prepared, presented it was almost drama in some senses. And there was no responsibility other than listening, just as you described. My role was to listen. And I think a part of worship is lost when I'm not an active participant joined together through the Spirit in that effort. And that sounds mystic, and it is. So... I want it to sound a little mystic because it is, in my experience, that was a huge change. I came to the first session that I ever attended, search service I ever attended, a friend, I went with a friend who didn't tell me anything about the Apostolic Christian Church. And I saw worship as these men stood up and opened up the Bible and started reading it. And I was like, what? You're supposed to read one verse and then preach for 20 minutes. So a whole different experience. So I support that concept that's kind of come out of this, of uh, the concept of participatory worship that I didn't experience earlier. So, so you bring up really, uh, for, number one, I didn't know that you weren't raised apostolic. You you seem like a true blue AC to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, the... Uh, it should actually, in some ways, lower the the expectation that we place on ourselves as ministers a little bit, and yet we can't lower it to the point that we aren't leaning into the work and and prepared as much as possible 
And we also don't want to take away from the minister who is much more comfortable having studied a, a text so that he can very accurately teach and preach it without uh, that pressure. So, so we've seen that model shifting some, and, and we're not apologetic of that. We, we're just acknowledging what's happening and believing that the Holy Spirit is working in the lives of these uh, men that are called to teach and preach. But it's beautiful to be reminded of where it could go, and that's not necessarily what we're aiming at. Let's talk a little bit as we try to maybe kind of wrap up this uh, this segment of minister expectations that we place on ourselves. What are some of the things that we, what are the watchouts? <laughs> what are the things that maybe we, uh, we should be responsible for, but also some things that maybe we have placed too much pressure on ourselves and thus lose some of the joy in this journey? Any thoughts there, Fred? It's been a little while since I've heard your voice. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking when you first that were launching into that question, I was thinking it was going to go in a different direction as a watch out. So um, I think we can have too much expectation on ourselves, uh, especially with all that I have to do all the work of the ministry. I mean, I think one of the blessings of our model is that we have, we can divide up the, the load among several ministers and we don't all have to do the same thing on the same level to the same degree of excellence, the same gifting and, and so forth. We can, some are more counselors and I'm thankful that they can do that work. I'm, I'm not as good of a counselor and, you know, we, we all have different, different gifts and callings. So I think that that kind of helps the, one, one of my false expectations was, was um, that I have to do, I have to do everything just like my brother's sitting next to me. And, and I, I just can't do it. I, I don't have enough. I don't have the gifting. I don't have the time. Which, which, let me just jump in here real quick. Um, and I think Steve brought this out is the participatory opportunity we have. Mm -hmm. And to think that all the gifts exist on the pulpit of any church, whether there's two ministers there or, or seven, is not very realistic. There are gifts, but not all of them. And then the opportunity for the church to recognize that. And for the ministry team to say, we want to tap in to the gifts in the body. <laughs> Because they have been placed there for a purpose. Yeah, Lynn, am I wrong in sensing that that more elders are sort of pushing that out a little bit? Am, am I wrong in, in observing that that there seems to be kind of a hey, you know, we, we can we can have maybe ordain, ordaining more deacons and more ministers and pushing even beyond the pulpit. And I, I, you sense I that really, as well? yeah, I, I think uh, yes. The quick, the short answer is yes. I believe we recognize that delegation, wise delegation. Trusting the Holy Spirit more than ourselves, working in the lives of other people, um, is a beautiful model of delegation that empowers a church. They all feel the weight of responsibility in some sense, brothers and sisters. And, and we get it, brothers, as we try to help out a struggling female, how much better another female, another sister could probably help that person. And yeah, mm -hmm. I think we're starting to to catch that vision more and more. So go ahead, Fred. I, I kind of inter interrupted you there. No, that's good. I was just going to switch the, the question in a little different direction, if you don't mind. And that is great. that one of the weaknesses, I think, of our model as well is that since we are a lay, since we do rely on the congregation to do a lot of the work, 
we can also reduce expectations of ourselves too far as well. And, and I'm, I think, particularly concerned about the, the teaching and preaching aspect of it. One particular thing that we do with new, new ministers, we read the letters to Timothy, and Paul's letters to Titus would be the same way. Here's, a, here's this older minister, Paul, apostle, setting up younger men as overseers in Ephesus and in Crete. And he, he tells each one of them, yeah, he, he tells Titus, he's, um, he says, For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee. And he tells something similar to, Tim, to, to Timothy, where he says, um, uh, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus when I went into Macedonia, that thou mightest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So here are these young men being set up by Paul, to get the teaching right in Ephesus and in Crete. And so we do, as ministers, I think there can be a healthy expectation that we really are studying the Word as ministers. Everybody's supposed to study the Word, but in a sense, we have a special leadership responsibility to kind of <laughs> lead them in the study in, of the Word and in good doctrine. And I'll just be frank with you, brothers. When I was first put in the ministry in 1995, I didn't feel a lot of expectation for that. And I think a healthy development in our church is what you just pointed out, Lynn, is that we, while we don't want to dump all the studying and, and, and understanding the word on the ministers and then the rest, you know, everybody else just goes free, there is a healthy expectation that our ministers are in the word and, and adept at knowing it, teaching it, and explaining it as, as much as we as humans can do that. That's my perspective. I'm curious what you brothers, how you respond to that. So thanks, Fred, for sharing that. And I think we need to bring this section uh, to a close and try to pick it up on the other side. I'm sure there'll be overlap. On the other side of healthy um, church interaction and support of their minister team and how, again, we can be healthy in our leadership model and in our uh, congregations and I think that um, you brothers being in the ministry as many years as you have, there would be a, a, some neat perspectives that you would be able to share as you think back on your journey through this ministry. Thanks for listening. Around the Table is available on AC Central and now also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Pocket Casts. It is a production of Onward Media, a communications ministry of the Apostolic Christian Church.